Welcome to The Dish, the culinary travel podcast focusing on the stories behind world-famous foods. We are your hosts, Tom and Megzi from foodfuntravel.com. Join us for tasty histories, destination food guides, and more. In this episode, the story of Piri Piri Chicken. What is Piri Piri Sauce and where did it come from? Plus, a short history of Nando's, the international Piri Piri chicken chain restaurant. Okay, hello everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Dish. Yes, we are ready to talk more food. Christmas is done. Sorted. Moving on to other foods around the world. So we're getting straight into the spicy, because why not? You know, Christmas is done. Let's eat spicy food. Why not? Yeah. I mean, it totally makes sense. Uh, Yeah. So if you're looking for a January spicy hit, this is what we've got for you today. We're talking about peri-peri chicken. Oh, yeah. And peri-peri is actually a type of chili. Sometimes called peri-peri, sometimes called piri-piri, and sometimes called pili-pili. But the most important thing is that it was not invented by Nando's. Uh, It was not invented by Nando's, but we are going to talk about Nando's today. I do like Nando's. Don't think I'm dissing Nando's, because I know there's a lot of people out there going, if they say anything bad about Nando's, I'll turn this podcast off right now and they will never hear from me again. But I do actually like some Nando's. Well... And this is the crazy thing. A lot of people listening to this might have never heard of Nando's because it is not big in the USA at all. So we're going to talk about that in a little bit of in a few minutes. But for those who do know about it, yeah, yeah, I I sort of like Nando's, but I don't love Nando's. I don't think they do a great version. But okay, so Peri Peri Chicken, for those who don't know, because people from the US who haven't been to Nando's or had Peri Peri Chicken or been to a Portuguese restaurant. I have no idea what we're talking about. what is this dish that they're doing this week? We don't know this one. And I was surprised when I did the research for this. I was like, oh, Americans are probably not really eating this. But I mean, they've got their own spicy chicken stuff, they've right? They've got, yeah, lots of southern chicken and that yeah. sort of stuff. So they don't really need the Portuguese style to move in and take over. But possibly not. Yeah. Or possibly lots of people in the US have had it and just Nando's hasn't been as successful. Yeah. I just don't know. You can tweet us at Food Fun Travel and let us know if you're from the US and you've actually had Piri Piri Chicken before. Or Nando's even, you know, just let us know. I know some people will have done, but okay. So for those who don't really know what peri-peri chicken is, it's grilled chicken that has been marinated in a spicy chili sauce called peri-peri sauce, which is made from those peri-peri chilies. I'm going to say peri-peri a lot in this. Peri-peri. 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 Take a shot. Peri-peri. Peri-peri. You'll be very drunk. Have a shot every time you say peri-peri. 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 Don't. I don't think it's You'll throw yourself off and you'll be done for the entire podcast. Really? I say You won't know how to say it anymore. You know when you say a word so many times and then you actually kind of forget the meaning of the word because you've said it so many times? It gets weird. That's what's going to happen with you and Peri-peri. It could get weird. Uh, So I'm going to try and not say it all the time. So that's it. It's grilled spicy chicken. Sometimes the chicken is marinated in advance in the sauce. Sometimes they just grill up the chicken and then paste the sauce on at the end mm-hmm. or serve it on the side as well. So it can be done either way. Uh, that said, it's most basic. I mean, at its best, like the best I've ever had always has to be barbecued on charcoal. Yes. Yeah, the charcoal always. makes a very, very big difference. Yeah. This is not a rotisserie chicken, people. This, this has to be barbecued on charcoal. It's a whole spatchcocked chicken, so butterfly chicken, 
And very specifically, to do the best one ever, it has to be a young chicken, about three to four months old, which means it weighs in a little under one kilo. So we're not talking those massive one and a half, 1.8 kilo chickens you get in the supermarket. It's not like a big family serving size chicken. It has to be a young chicken because that means the flesh is softer and like juicier and, Mm -hmm. and just better. Yep. So that's what they use. And of course, because it's smaller, you can barbecue it. You literally barbecue the whole chicken straight on the coals, pretty and it much. Go, yeah, it cooks through really nicely, yeah. and you end up with that perfect, yeah. crispy, crispy on the outside, but soft on the inside. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, if you're using a massive chicken, it just wouldn't work on a barbecue. You couldn't just slap that on the barbecue griddle and then hope for the best. It yep. would just be raw in the middle and burn on the outside. So, yeah, this is like the perfect way to do it. And then lots of crispy, salty skin. On the outside, once it's all crisped up on the barbecue, it's amazing. And of course, oozing juiciness with every bite from the inside of the chicken. Oh, yeah. Mm. Crispy but juicy and tender at the same time. It's perfection. And it's good. If you've never had a young chicken like that size, it's not loads and loads and loads of chicken breast. So like the big chickens, they've obviously been like, grow your breasts! (laughs) <laughs> but with the young chickens, they're, they're still quite small. So it's not just loads of that dry breast meat. It's like it's all the whole thing is juicy meat. It's fantastic. Not that you can't have nice, good, juicy breast meat from a regular chicken if you cook it properly. But, you know, that doesn't always work out. With Piri Piri chicken in Portugal, it always worked out. Yeah, they do it well. So what goes into the sauce? Where and when was Piri Piri chicken invented? Going to be getting that, uh, getting into that during this episode. But of course, yeah, as we said, not everyone is going to have heard of Piri Piri chicken. If you're from the US, you might be missing out. But UK, Australian, and especially South African and Portuguese listeners, they're all going to know about Piri Piri chicken. Oh, yeah. For sure. And, and a few other countries we'll get into as well. So yeah, as we're going to discuss in this episode... This dish may have been present somewhere in Portugal or Africa since the 16th century. I mean, that's going to be a controversial statement already. We'll explain why as we go through. But, but it has definitely become a world-famous dish in a lot of countries due to the spicy chicken restaurant from South Africa, Nando's. It's from South Africa. Did you know I that? I did not know that. I would have said British. It uh, is very popular South in Britain. Africa. It's actually wow. originally from South Africa. But is this dish a South African dish? Or did it uh, come about before and they've just capitalized on it? We'll be asking that as well. But first, yes, as we said at the top of the episode, if half the people listening, if they're in the US, are going to be like, what is Nando's? This is obviously not KFC. We've never heard of this. What is this? Oh, it's, yeah, it's a, yeah, I think they figured out it's a chicken restaurant. Well, they, yeah, they've got that. So they specialize in piri-piri chicken. That is literally the thing they do. I mean, they've diversified and they do lots of other chicken-related products now. But that was like the thing. You can get wraps and yeah. uh, I think they've got burgers now and stuff like that. The wraps are really good. Yeah. So, but I mean, it's just quality, really nicely cooked chicken. And then the whole thing is like... Not only is it the piri-piri chicken, but you have this variety of Nando sauces that you can have with it. So, whether depending on your spice level that you can tolerate, you can have it nice and easy, which is why it's really popular in Australia for like as a family restaurant because you can take the kiddies along and you can have it nice and easy, and they can have the easy sauce, or you can build just your way all the way up to the what they call the super spicy sauce. I don't think it's that super spicy personally, but some people like get the sweats on from that sauce. By Australian standards, it's spicy i guess yeah yeah i don't i don't particularly feel australians uh really can tolerate a lot of spice 
No, but as we alluded, yes, they are a slightly better than a chain restaurant. They're a bit above KFC and McDonald's standard. They're like the next step up, yeah. in my opinion. But is it the best peri-peri chicken in the world? No, no. Not even close. It's fast food, really, isn't it? But it's slightly better fast food. It's sort of like, yeah, when you go to Portugal and have it in Portugal at a proper peri-peri chicken restaurant. That's a totally different experience. It's completely different and it's so much better. Uh, But obviously, it's a very popular choice. So, what are you going to do? They've been incredibly successful. As of 2019, Nando's has only 42 restaurants in the US. So, that's a very small amount of restaurants. Uh, Six in Washington, D.C., 12 in Illinois, 10 in Virginia, and 14 in Maryland. And that's it. So, if you're not in one of those areas, you've probably not got a Nando's and you've got no idea what we're talking about. But bear with us because it's still going to be an interesting story. Well, because if you're going to Portugal, you're going to want to know about Peri Peri Chicken. We're not talking about going... You know, traveling the world to find for Nando's. Na- for Nando's. <laughs> <laughs> Go to Portugal and, and eat it in Portugal. <laughs> or make it at home. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now that you know about it, uh, find a recipe, go make it at home. So, yeah. In the UK, there's over 300 Nando's restaurants. It's popular in the UK. Much popular. more popular. In the US, they didn't open a single branch until 2008. So, like, it's very new. We've had it in Australia for ages. Yeah. Australia has about 200 branches. Yep. And Australia, well, the UK's got a population of, what, 70 million? Yeah. And we've got 300 Nando's, and you've got a population in Australia of, like, 25, 30 million, and you've got 200. Yeah. We like our Nando's. (laughs) We like our Nando's. (laughs) That's a lot per capita. I mean, that's going pretty crazy. Uh, So, yeah, the, the two of us are very familiar with this, and hopefully our UK and Australian listeners and everyone else as well. Canadians, I don't think, would ever have had it. I don't, there's any, don't think there's any in Canada. I don't know. Tweet us, let us know if there are. So, the person who opened Nando's for the first time is Fernando Duarte. Probably pronounced his surname a little bit wrong. Fernando is definitely right. <laughs> Got that go. one. He doesn't sound South African. <laughs> he doesn't. His friend he opened it with is called Robert Broizen. Broizen. Uh, that sounds South African. That's Brozin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's a little bit more. So maybe that's his South African partner. And uh, they, uh, they opened the first Nando's restaurant because they actually just bought out a restaurant that was already open called Chickenland in southern Johannesburg in an area called Rossettenville. And they renamed it to Nando's after the owner, Fernando. So that's oh, where the name comes from. There you go. Ding, ding, ding. Now, Fernando. The name gives it away a little bit. Uh, He's Portuguese, but he was actually born in Mozambique uh, to Portuguese parents. And Portugal had Mozambique as a colony until 1975, Mm. at which point, obviously, the family left. And South Africa's not pretty close, and a lot of people moved to South Africa, Fernando included. Uh, So this restaurant, Chickenland, was apparently already making Mozambique Portuguese fusion-style piri-piri chicken uh, before he bought it. So he literally went, oh, they're making the piri piri chicken. I'll go bite it. <laughs> he wouldn't have sounded like that because he's not from South no, Africa. It was, it was, <laughs> I can't do a Portuguese accent. No, you can't do a South African accent. Oh, was close enough. <laughs> no, I'm going to get hate mail for that one, I'm sure. I mean, I, I've seen a few movies with people who aren't South African trying to do the accents. And, it's uh, never good. It's never, it's never, it's a hard one to, to get perfect. It's hard to say if the world famous... Uh, Nando's recipe belongs to Fernando or if he just got the recipe when he bought the restaurant. He just popularized it. That's all. Maybe, but he would have already been eating this at home if he was living in Mozambique in the 70s. Yeah. So it's pop- 
it's possible that he had his own recipe and just went in and went, well, this place is popular. I'm going to use my recipe. Or he just went in and went, I'm buying this. What's the recipe? And that became a world famous recipe. And the people who sold it were like, ah, why did we sell that? We should have just renamed it Nando's. <laughs> Could have made a load of money. Uh, hindsight. And they actually took over that first branch in South Africa in 1987. So it was quite a while yeah. after uh, Mozambique yeah. kicked out the colonists that uh, they went to South Africa and got this sorted out. But within 10 years, by 1997, they'd opened 105 Nando's restaurants in South Africa. In 10 years. It just kicked off that, yeah, everyone was like, yep, I like me some Nando's. Pretty crazy, really. So, I mean, the, the international fame of Peri Peri Chicken, even for us in England and Australia, is really quite recent. Uh, and in the USA, of course, it's uh, even more recent because there's only four states with any Nando's in. But obviously in Portugal and Mozambique, well, they don't need Nando's because they're already making better Peri Peri Chicken than Nando's. Yeah. And you will find like little chicken shops all over the place. And so it's, you know, it's very much like you've got to find the place that's doing the recipe and the, the cooking style. I mean, it's all sort of cooked sim in a similar way. Everyone but has their own little twist. Everyone has their own little twist, yeah. Of course, because these are not chain restaurants. In Portugal, they're called churrascarias, and that's the Portuguese grill house, basically. Some of them uh, are exclusively chicken, and others are just a grill house, which do all sorts of meat, but of course, they do chicken too. Yeah, well, I think you need to find the ones that just yeah. do chicken. When they specialize in one thing, they're focused on it, they're dedicated to that, and you know it's going to be a good thing. Well, those sorts of restaurants, when you walk in, you sit down, and they're like, what do you want? But the question is not, well, obviously, the answer is chicken. They're just like, do you want the spicy one, or which sides do you want? Do you want and it's chips, also like, do you want half or full? Yeah, do you want a half or full? Do you want 10 chickens? That's it. That's, it. that's all the questions. Yeah. They're like... Chicken, how many? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, there's nothing else on the menu. It's fantastic. And so, I mean, the best way to have it is with a, a big portion of fries. And, because uh, they cook fries. I don't know what it is with Portugal, but they, they can cook some potatoes. Portugal and Greece. So good. They do good potatoes, for sure. And yeah, it normally comes out with a big old bottle of piri-piri sauce. And if it doesn't, you like piri-piri uh, sauce? And you they can bring ask extra. for extra because they will get confused because, yeah. So as Tomo said in the beginning, it's sort of already marinated. The chicken comes in the piri-piri sauce already. Normally. But normally. Yeah. But you can ask for additional piri-piri. Mm -hmm. And then they'll bring out this big jar of like oil that's got these chilies in it. And then you can just pour extra on top to give it an extra hit. Once again, depending on the place that you go, depends on how much of a hit and how spicy that particular uh, sauce is going to be. But it's, it's really oily. So, when we say sauce, it's, it more of an, it's more like an oil, though. It depends. In Portugal, a lot of the places are doing a piri-piri oil. But obviously, if you go to Nando's, you get a piri-piri sauce. sauce. Yeah. And I guess there are probably some places in Portugal that are more on the sauce side. But a lot of the places we went to, and we ate piri-piri chicken a lot. Because why wouldn't you? Because why wouldn't you? It's awesome. It's affordable. It's fantastic. Uh, a lot of them were doing piri-piri oil. Instead. Yeah, and that was good. That I was loved, good too. I, I like the oil. It. Yeah, uh, I like to pour it on my fries because oh, they're yeah. already fried in oil. Why not you pour more oil on, on them? Put it on everything. Uh, it doesn't feel too oily. You think it's going to be too oily, but actually, it's just spicy and awesome. Yep. And so in Portugal, this is not called piri piri chicken, obviously, because it's in Portuguese. Uh, it's called frango asado con piri piri, which just means grilled chicken with piri piri. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you know, it's fine. And it's hard to find a small town that doesn't seem to have one of these. Like, you, like most small towns are like at least one peri-peri chicken place, right? Yeah. yeah. It's I was just doing popular. a little run through my head of the different little tiny towns we've been to in Portugal. And I've got to say, we found chicken in most of them. Yep. Whether you want to take away or eat in, 
it's just it's a super popular dish. People like to eat it everywhere. You walk around a, a little town and you just get the smell in the air of the chicken barbecuing and peek through the window and see the grill master flipping the spatchcock chickens and all the smoke around him. And yeah, it's the opposite of rotisserie. It's just billowing smoke and barbecue wonder. It's it's fantastic. And yeah, some of these you see, they've got this massive grill and you can just peek through the window and they've got like 50 cooking at a time on a flat, long grill. Yep. Some of these places just bash out the chickens because those lunch services, like, yeah, you kind of get herded in and then you try and find a table wherever you can. And then, then, as you said, it's just like chicken. What sort of chicken? Tell us. Quick, Mm -hmm. quick, quick. We've got to keep this thing moving here. Yeah. Because they know they're going to have so many people come through. Like, Sunday lunch, you know, it's going to be a busy chicken day. It's, I mean, it's a big family meal because it's so affordable and because it's so tasty. If you turn up on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon, it's going to be standing room only. You're going to be waiting for a table at any good place, at yep. least. Especially on the Algarve, uh, the Algarve on the south coast where we lived. It's a very popular sort of family thing. Definitely worth waiting for a table. Yeah. Even in off season when we were there, the local, local places that weren't designed for tourists at all, they were packed. Yeah. Like, it was, there was no tourist. We'd walk in and they're like, oh, English. Okay. Because <laughs> like, they speak English. Everyone speaks English in Portugal, which is very handy. But it was quite crazy. Not tourist orientated at all. But of course, there's loads of places serving for tourists as well, because everybody loves a grilled chicken, especially all of the English tourists coming over as well. So, let's talk about what exactly is peri-peri sauce and where did it originate? How did it originate? So, the word peri-peri actually comes from the Swahili language. Ah. And the original word could have been something a bit more like pili-pili, like the R-L sound in the middle is closer to an L, like pili-pili, but pili-pili. Yeah. So almost piri-piri, but, but not. And it actually just means pepper in Swahili. So that's easy. Just like in English, the word pepper could refer to black pepper, chili pepper, bell pepper. That is the same. Yeah. Or at least that's what Google Translate tells me. I mean, I can't always trust Google Translate, but... It does its best. Yeah. And a few other websites seem to confirm this. It Anyone just means pepper. Anyone uh, fluent in Swahili, yeah. feel free to tweet, tweet us. us at Food Control. Is there another word for black pepper? Because I checked that on Google and it was like, no, black pepper is also pili pili. But also the word pili pili doesn't just mean pepper. It can also mean spicy when used as an adjective. Okay. So it can mean, yeah, chili pepper or... Spicy. And Swahili today is spoken in Southeast Africa. And most importantly for this story, uh, Mozambique was a, is a country that speaks uh, dialects of Swahili. There's mm-hmm. actually lots of Swahili-based languages or like the root of Swahili is the same root as a lot of other languages in that area. Gets a bit complicated. So please don't write in and tell me that Swahili is like 17 different languages. I, I read this already. It's confusing. We're not going to go into that. That's way too deep for a food podcast. This is not a language podcast. So, yeah, there's lots of different estimates on the origin of actually this language, though, any sort of Swahili-based language, because no one was writing stuff down before the Portuguese turned up and colonized. Uh, so, but when they were there, they turned up in 1498. So, yeah, by 1562, uh, Portuguese missionaries had written down that Swahili was a language. They have like words written down phonetically, that, and they match with modern Swahili words. So it was definitely words that could have come out before the words could have been there before the Portuguese got there. Mm. Possibly the word for pili pili, maybe. But chilies came from the New World, and I've actually read some weird, read some weird sources online that said, "Oh, the the Portuguese turned up to Mozambique and discovered chilies, and then that's where piri piri comes from." I'm no, like, what? 
No. Portuguese went to the New World and they brought all of these things to all their colonies and started growing them. There, there is zero evidence. If anyone tries to tell you that chilies existed in Africa before the New World was discovered, that is completely wrong. There is absolutely no evidence for that. But someone was just like, oh yeah, the Portuguese, they went to Mozambique and they found the chilies. Like, what? Uh, what? Uh, what are you going to do? Um, we're going to re-educate the world, Tom. We're trying. We're trying. Either way, uh, the Portuguese, definitely, they were famed for spreading chilies around the world. There's records that show <laughs> that they- They're famed for ch- sharing other stuff around. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, this is a family show. <laughs> we're going to talk about that. So, yeah. By 1516, there's written records of cooks in Goa using chilies to make food. They mm-hmm. were loving it. So, they were already growing them in Goa by that point. Um, so, the theory is that- the Portuguese would have brought the chilies into Mozambique around about the same time. But because the word is like similar, like for pepper or for chili, were they doing any sort of sauce sort of thing previously that was based on black pepper? Well, this is the thing. I mean, black pepper was all over the place. Yeah. And Arab traders were supposedly coming into Africa and bringing black pepper south through Africa. So they would have had black pepper. So it's possible the word existed before the Portuguese brought the chilies there. Yeah. But in the same way as it happened in English, we just were like, oh, that's spicy. So it's, it's yeah. pepper. It's pepper. Oh, chili English pepper. people it's- not being able to differentiate I- between spicy and spices. There's not enough exact evidence to sort of prove this. But yes, they would have had black pepper before yeah. the Portuguese arrived. And then when they got these chili peppers, in the same way as black pepper was replaced with chili in some other countries as well, because it was just something that grew much more easily and was cheap then, yep. uh, it just got the same name in some languages. But yeah, although there's all these different dialects for Swahili, uh, this word Pili Piri or Pili Pili or like a different pronunciation of it seems to exist across the entire region, all the way into like the Congo Basin and down into South Africa, like the whole area is anyone that spoke a Swahili dialect was using the same word. So yeah, this word's probably been around for quite a long time. Yeah. Seems to be a decent evidence. As I said, Mozambique became a colony of Portugal in 1498. So it's very likely that the Chiles turned up in the 16th century because they were already in Goa by 1516. Like chilies are one of the first things to come back from the new world. They yeah. were, and they They're were like, just, "Hey guys, yep, we found something new." Um, you know that new sound you've been looking for? It's an interesting side note. wasn't in my notes, but I read about this. The reason that chilies became so popular so quickly was that on the Silk Road, apparently, the black pepper trade was being blocked by the Ottomans at that time because that's when the Ottomans took over, like fifteen twenty-two. Yeah, I think that's when. I, well, I mean, they'd already taken over most of Turkey before that. 1522, they took over Rhodes. I think we took, talked about that in another mm-hmm. episode or article. Uh, so at that point, they were like, yeah, we're not getting as much black pepper and we're having to pay way more for it. What can we do about this? Oh, we just discovered this really spicy thing. Great. And they started sending that round to places instead. Apparently, that's a side note. I haven't researched that in full, but sort of interesting. But so Piri Piri, when we're talking about Mozambique, historically actually refers to one exact type of chili. It's sort of become a generic word for chili, but actually it's referring to one exact species of chili. Uh, it's also known as the Malagueta chili. Uh, it's very similar in heat, and it looks very similar to a bird's eye chili. And because of this, a lot of sources online keep calling it bird's eye chilies. It's not a bird's eye chili. They are from two completely different chili groups botanically. Yeah, so, and bird's but because eyes are it looks small, the same, and these are big these chilies. These are bigger. Yeah, they're they're not huge. They're a little bit bigger when they're fully grown. But what's interesting is uh, when the Portuguese call them piri piri, they actually call them that. They cut them a little younger. 
So they are shorter. So they do look a bit closer to the bird's eye size. Uh. But bird's eye chilies are from, well, not from, but bird's eye chilies were taken to Southeast Asia and that's where they were cultivated. Yeah. And they are a different species. They're related, but they are different. So there is like a, a, another species in Africa called bird's eye, African bird's eye. But it's not actually the same species. It's just got the same name for some reason. Okay. And this is in the same species as the African bird's eye, but it's not the same chili. So if you just, like, you can use whatever chili you want. It's got a similar spice level. So whatever, you can use it. But these are actually two different chilies. And a lot of people keep saying they're the same thing. Yeah. They're not. So this is actually, yeah, the Malagueta chili, uh, which is also very popular in Brazil. And it came from somewhere around the Caribbean or Central America. And for those chili nerds out there, the Scoville heat units of the Malagueta chili are somewhere between 60,000 and 100,000. Just for a comparison, a jalapeno is between two and a half and 8,000. So this is much, much hotter. Yep. Somewhere in the region of 10 to 15 times hotter than a jalapeno. Quite a bit more kick. Yeah. And as I said, yeah, it's also really popular in Brazil. It's still one of the most popular in Brazil. And there's this sort of one person said like, oh, Piripiri was probably invented in Brazil but we'll go into that. They probably did make a sauce that was made with the chilies, but it's not called Piri Piri. Ah! Ah! Side notes. Lots of side notes in this episode, everybody. Lots of tangents. Um, so the Piri Piri sauce itself does have uh, lots of different recipes, lots of different ways people make it. Uh, the common ingredient is, of course, the chilies. Yep. Duh. Um, other main ingredients are lemon, salt, and oil. But other optional ingredients are quite varied. Onion, bell peppers, garlic, bay leaves, paprika, basil, oregano, and even tarragon, which I think would be weird. Tarragon. Tarragon and peri-peri sauce would yeah, be really be weird. Yeah, until tarragon. Yeah. Then it's like, hmm, maybe not. And although the sauce is most popularly used with chicken, if you go to Manz- Mozambique, it's a bit of a universal sauce. They actually use it with seafood, especially peri-peri prawns. Mm, Very popular. Yum. We haven't been to Mozambique. So on my list one day, yeah. one day. We lived in Portugal and we actually did do some peri-peri tiger prawns uh, because why not on the barbecue? Fantastic. Because they had these amazing Argentinian prawns that you could get that were huge and mm-hmm. perfect for grilling on the barbecue. All right. So after all this messing around, Brazil, Mozambique, South Africa, Portugal, who actually invented peri-peri chicken? Any guesses? Um... Not the English. We've discovered it's not the English or the Australians. Uh, Probably not the South Africans. Oh, the, the, the Mozambicans. What are they called? Mozambique- Mozambicans? Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. If you're from Mozambique, tweet us. <laughs> well, I've written in my notes as, uh, did it have a Mozambican origin? So, I don't oh, know. Yeah, yeah. I think I just made that up, though. I just made up the word. I, it might be right. might not be right. So, um, like, actually, we prefer to be called Mozambiques. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Mozambiques. That's more a fun. Cool name. So, yeah. Or was it originally maybe just called uh, Malagueta Chicken and it came from Brazil? And then they changed the name. Talvez, Talvez. Oh, Talvez. Who knows? Who knows? I mean, I think the name suggests that the sauce must have been first created in Mozambique or somewhere very nearby that speaks a similar language. Because why is it called Piripiri Chicken everywhere? Exactly. I mean... I, etymological arguments don't always work. The word can sometimes have been changed, as we said. But uh, all right, let's look at least at some of the story of this and see what we can figure out. Because I suppose you could say, well, what if the source had been invented by the Portuguese colonizers who were living in Mozambique? So actually, maybe it's more of a Portuguese recipe using the chilies that they brought in and then making their own recipe. 
and sending it back to Portugal. Yeah. So that's a possibility. Or maybe Always. they just sent the chilies back to Portugal and then in Portugal they invented the dish because they were like, oh, we've got chilies. We've got chicken. Let's yep. do it. Mm, maybe. Possible. One possibility. So yeah, was the sauce actually invented in Brazil, perhaps? Uh, I read only, only one author that was convinced that perhaps it was invented in Brazil. Uh, but of course, chili sauces, they've sort of a, they've emerged simultaneously worldwide. Once you've got chilies, you can make chili sauce. You know, it's, it's not that complicated. So, you know, the exact mix of ingredients and the exact chili used, they are using the chili that's called the piri, piri chicken and Mozambique. What, what is the, the standard oil that's used? I mean, it varies. In Portugal, I believe it's olive oil, of course, because that's what they have. Yeah. So I didn't know if it came down to like, it's like, no, it, it's made with this particular oil. So therefore it was from this. Because obviously they wouldn't have been doing olive oil in Brazil. No, they wouldn't have been doing olive oil in Brazil, I don't think. No, I don't know. There seems to be, it varies on what sort of oil people use. And it's okay. like a regional choice, depending on what sort of oil you've got. But the name is back to the chilies, not to the oil. It's not the piri-piri oil. It's the yeah, piri-piri chilies. Yeah, that is true. So, yeah, for me, and uh, looking at various bits of evidence on this and different stories, it seems like the African language connection is what gives it the the strongest connection to it makes Mozambique. sense because I mean, how many like how many modern foods do we have that actually you know sort of come from Swahili or any sort of you know there's yeah, not know. that many, so it sort of makes sense that that's where it originated and then you know grew in popularity from there. I mean, now the question is, the source it seems is something that could have been made for hundreds of years. You mash up chilies and you put them with some oil. Uh, this is not a new well, technique. Or you think they saw it in Central America and went, yoink. No, I don't idea. know. I don't know at all. Uh, this is something that very little information specifically about when the sauce could have first been made, but just that chili sauces have probably been made for quite a while. So the sauce, difficult to pinpoint, but the chicken as an actual dish, piri-piri chicken, yes. maybe a little bit more evidence on this. All right. Back in the olden days, oh. and by olden days, I mean like pre-World War II, so actually relatively recent, to actually butcher an entire small chicken, or even to just butcher at all an entire chicken and then just grill it, was seen as quite wasteful. People would use everything. I mean, you don't want the, to butcher a chicken if it's going to grow up and make some eggs or whatever. You wait until it grows up as well, and then it gets bigger, and then you eat it. Like, you don't butcher yeah, it you would never kill months. it. Yeah, you wouldn't kill a young chicken. That is not something that people subsistence living were doing, because that's crazy. Yeah. You waited like three months, and they could have waited another th two months and then had a massive chicken instead of like a tiny chicken. Absolutely. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. So, it does sort of suggest that the idea that anyone was grilling whole chickens before the 20th century is pretty unlikely. So they might have been using piri-piri sauce before the 20th century, but actually just killing a chicken and grilling it yep. whole doesn't seem so likely, apparently. So when we look at the evidence of when this dish became super popular and documented as being popular, it wasn't actually until the 1970s. And there's a couple of good reasons for this. Uh, in the 1970s in Portugal... Uh, intensive farming had started, which brought down the cost of chicken, which made it actually realistic that you would sell a chicken and grill a chicken rather than, you know, waiting for it to be full size or whatever. Or Yeah. yeah the access to chicken Factory was Factory farming became a thing. Exactly. And when the dictator of Portugal got kicked out in 1974, uh, the empire started to dissolve. And that's when overseas residents from colonies started coming back to Portugal 
uh, from Africa and other places. And so, yeah, around 1974, 75, people were coming back having lived in, in Mozambique, for example, mm-hmm. and other places. And they were like, well, there's this dish that I used to eat in Mozambique. It's made with chilies. Uh, I'd like to eat that. And so, the idea of actually making that as a dish, or at least using the sauce to make a dish, I still don't even know if they were doing this with chicken before the 70s in Mozambique or not. No one seems to have written this down, which is crazy. But at least in Portugal, it was definitely written down. Another piece of evidence that suggests that this dish wouldn't have actually been a thing, and even the sauce wouldn't have been a thing in Portugal until like the 70s. There's a quote from Iona McCleary, uh, who's an associate professor of medieval history and Portuguese history at the University of Leeds in England. And she said that the idea of anyone in Portugal eating chili as like a spice, having it on their spice cabinet, like before that time, it was actually pretty rare. This was something people were using in the colonies and it was being produced locally and being used locally. Or maybe it's being exported to certain other countries, but not back to Europe. Having chili in the 1960s, 1950s was quite rare. Unlike today where everyone's got a little bit of chili powder on their shelf. So there's actually a restaurant on the Algarve coast. It's called Restaurant Ramirez in a small town called Guia. And they claim to have been the first restaurant in Portugal ever to serve piri-piri chicken. And they claim they first served it in 1964. So a little bit before, mm-hmm. uh, because apparently they'd had people who'd been coming back to the Algarve, like emigrating back to Portugal a little bit before uh, the colony broke down and actually asking for this dish. And they're like, yeah, sure. And then as soon as a massive wave of people came back in 1974, the demand grew so much that these restaurants started popping up everywhere. So, and yeah, apparently, I mean, I guess the dude is not alive now, but like his offspring are still alive and like there's a plaque there or something about it. Oh, the plaque. The plaque. We can trust the plaque. Oh, you can always trust a good old plaque. Well, apparently that's the story. So 1964. But I mean, the crazy thing is, because they're coming back and specifically asking for piri-piri chicken, they must have been eating it in Mozambique. Yeah. But there's just no documentation of it. Because it just sounds like when, yeah, people started heading back to Portugal and they're like, do you do this? And they're like, no, what's that? And it's like, oh, you make this, this, and this. And they're like, all right, I'll give it a try. And then more people start asking for it. And obviously some dude went, hey, hey. There's some money to be made here. And uh, yeah, so it seems like it's definitely something that has grown in popularity in Portugal thanks to this, you know, you know immigrants coming back, this wave of people coming back from the colonies. Yeah. Yeah. I, there really doesn't seem to be any evidence to contradict this that I could find. And I, I really did have to check a lot of sources to try and even get this far. With this story, it seems quite likely they would have been making it. How early they were making it, not entirely sure. But as the epicenter of Piri Piri Chicken in Portugal is this Guia town where it was apparently first made in a restaurant, uh, they actually host an annual Piri Piri Festival every August. So go along in early August and it's just chicken everywhere. Apparently, it's a tiny town and there's just chicken restaurants all over the place. Yeah. So they're packed with chicken restaurants. Definitely head down to that. Now, as I said, yeah, there's no specific written record to piri-piri chicken being eaten in Mozambique any earlier than when people came back to Portugal and ate it. If there's going to be a guess as to when it might have been the first time uh, someone started mixing chicken with this sauce, it might not have been a whole chicken. But there was another author I read who claimed that various Indian immigrants came from Goa and moved to Mozambique 
And it was actually very normal for them to use spicy marinades as yep. they do in Goa. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, they'd have moved there and been like, what's the local chili? Oh, it's this. Okay, I'm going to use this to marinate chicken. That maybe could have been when it started. Sometime earlier in the 20th century, Indian immigrants started making it. And then Portuguese living there maybe went, this is good. Yep, I like this. And then they brought it back to Portugal. Makes sense. And that's about as far as the story goes. So... It's another one of these ones where we think it's been around forever, but it's probably like a mid-20th century dish. And we think that it's like full-on Portuguese, but it probably isn't. Yeah. Like the old... What was the other one? Oh, no. The, oh, it's like, like egg tarts in Macau. Egg tarts in Macau. Go back and listen to the egg tarts episode. We're not going not gonna to do spoilers. No. But uh, episode on egg custard tarts, and you can find out about that. All right, we're almost done. Let's let's do a few fun facts to finish up the episode. Yes, please. Why not? So, is it piri-piri, pili-pili, or peri-peri? Peri-peri. Now, you see, yeah, if you go to Nando's, it says on the bottle, peri-peri, P-E-R-I. Yeah. This is the South African spelling. Uh, Is it peri-peri? Peri-peri. I'm still doing South African accent wrong. But still, peri-peri. Don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Don't know. Um, but still, that's where that pronunciation comes from. So, peri-peri is a South African version. So, Nando's is peri-peri, but the original chicken is not from Nando's, is it? We've decided that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, are already, they already bought someone who was making this before it became a Nando's for the first time. So, uh, it could be peri-peri. It could be peri-peri. It depends which Swahilian uh, dialect you speak as to which one of those two is correct. But um, peri-peri is definitely the South African version. That's all Nando's fault. They've transported that all around the world. Yep. Changed the word into the South African version and popularized it. Peri-peri was the spelling that I was seeing on Portuguese menus. Definitely. Yeah, with an I. P-I. But I think, I, I don't know, for some reason I have this feeling that even though it says peri-peri, I think most people in Australia still call it peri-peri. Because it's almost like this thing, we're just known, we know that it's peri-peri. I think if I could get my South African accent right, the peri-peri spelling would sound like peri-peri. Peri-peri. I can't do it. I can't do it. (laughs) All right. Some other random facts. Uh, Peri-peri chili seeds are super rich in vitamin A, B, and C, so it's good for you. Hey. So, you know, down a bottle of chili sauce and, and it'll be great. You never get a cold. Yeah, and you probably won't be off to speak for a few minutes. Uh, the mild stuff is really mild, doesn't it? Down some of that. Peri-peri, the actual chili itself, is a natural preservative. So, once you mix that up with some vinegar or lemon juice in the sauce, uh, this is why you can store peri-peri sauce at room temperature for a very long time, because it's actually mainly the chili that's preserving the sauce. Doesn't need to be stored in the fridge. Ah, there you go. No artificial preservatives are added to peri-peri sauce. Uh, not even the Nando's like commercial one. Apparently, they don't add artificial because they don't need to because the peri-peri chili does all the work. Always good to know. Keeps it nice and preserved. Yeah, I guess bacteria also don't like spicy food. They can't handle it. Nah. Maybe that's what it is. I, I don't know, but that's what works. <laughs> bacteria has a bit of issues with ITB. It does it. Yeah. Uh, sensitive stomachs. No, IBT. <laughs> IBS. IBS. Oh, my God. Letters. <laughs> <laughs> what am I? What is ITV? I'm just saying letters, aren't I? ITV International Travel Berlin. It's a <laughs> yeah, travel. It's a travel conference. Travel conference. Good. Oh, uh, it's a little late when we're recording this, people. I'm sorry. Um, IBS. IBS. Yes, good that we've got onto IBS in this episode. Fantastic. Always good for a food podcast. Well, you know, chilies and people. It happens. Uh, also, some good news for Nando's. 
they still grow their chilies in Mozambique and they employ 1,400 farmers or so in that region to grow the chilies. So every bottle of sauce that you're getting all around the world is coming from chilies that are grown and locally sourced from farmers there. So they're putting yeah. money back into the community, which is good. Yeah. That's it. So even if their chicken isn't quite as nice as those uh, little local Portuguese churrascarias, uh, at least they're doing something for a corporation to not just be completely horrible. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm sure I don't know anything about their business practices. So no, we don't nothing. want to get sued here. I'm no. sure they're lovely people. Yes. So that's it for Peri Peri Chicken. If you've never had it before, please go find a recipe online and make it at home because it's really easy. I mean, you just marinate some chicken. Throw it on a barbecue and then have a bit of extra sauce on the side. It's tasty. Yeah, it's really nice. I definitely recommend giving it a try yourself because it's just something unique that you, you know, sometimes I think that people can feel that chicken can get a little same same samey and boring. So, yes. Some people do. Some people do. My mum does. Yeah, exactly. You are not some people, Tom. That's true. And if you go to Portugal, uh, aside from the fact you can get it in restaurants, if you're actually staying there for a while like we did, you just go in the supermarket and buy these young chickens that are pre-spatchcocked. You don't have to do any of the work. Yeah. Or you then just take it home, put the sauce on, throw it on the barbecue. Done. Bada boom. Yeah. Super easy. Yeah, it was great. Like every supermarket has pre-spatchcocked young chicken. Yeah, because spatchcocking a chicken isn't the most fun job to do. It's not that hard, really. But I mean, why bother when it's already done for exactly. you? Exactly. So yeah, the Portuguese really do love it. Anyway, that's it for this episode. And we'll see you again in another episode, of course. And if you enjoyed this episode or other episodes and you haven't left us a five-star review yet, then do that. If you don't enjoy the episodes, I I don't know what you're doing. Listen to ones you enjoy. How about that? That would be good. Oh, we're Uh, super excited to have you all back for 2020. Yeah, this is the first podcast of 2020. Yeah, second. No. Didn't the-, the last episode came out on the 30th of December. Oh, it was just before New Year's. Yeah. Well, we hope you all had a fantastic New Year's and, and Christmas and holidays and you all ate too much and drank too much and all, all that sort of stuff. But uh, yeah, we're going to be back every fortnight this year and uh, we're going to be inspiring you to get out there and find food worth traveling for. It's every two weeks for people who don't speak our dialect. Oh, sorry. Fortnight is, is <laughs> once again, throwing out random dialect words. <laughs> Yes, every two weeks. Uh, but yeah, we really, really would love to amp up the podcast uh, for 2020. So if this is something that you really enjoy and you love what we do, please give us all the reviews so that we can uh, hear your calls. And we would really love to bring it back up to doing the podcast weekly again. Uh, but we do need to have a little bit of support in order to do it. More so. followers, more listeners, and then we can switch back to weekly. Exactly. But it's so growing. It's growing. It it's is. been great. Oh, I'm so, so happy with the amount of people that are listening and thank you to every single one of you that tunes in to listen to our podcast episodes we do really appreciate it but uh yeah tell a friend tell your mom tell someone just yeah uh spread the word about the dish and then yeah we can really really grow this for 2020 and we're really excited about uh bringing you some really tasty food this year yeah maybe a few not so tasty foods in our strange food series Strange food may come back as well yeah yeah thanks uh to everyone who's supported us so far thanks to the people uh, like Podbean, who've been promoting us on their uh, podcast platform, which is the place we host and the place we listen to our podcasts. Yep. They, we don't get paid money by them, but they, they promote us. They like our show and yeah, we appreciate them listening and promoting us. And uh, also Spotify, because they hired us for the, their Christmas party this year. They flew us into Sweden to do a podcast live. Yes, we are hoping to release that episode when I get my hands on it. Hopefully we'll be able to publish the live podcast from the Spotify Christmas party. 
somewhere on our feed. We're not going to promise that right now because you never know with these things, legal stuff. Yep. But hopefully we will be able to pu- uh, publish that uh, in the next few months. All right. Cheers, guys. We'll see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to The Dish. Don't forget to subscribe and keep this podcast on the air by giving us a five-star review on your preferred podcast app or channel. Also, come join our foodie community on Facebook in the Food Worth Travelling For Facebook group. Catch you next time.